0: It's often hard when you commit to a transformation and you believe the folks that you have on the ground and are leading are the ones to take you to the next level. It's hard to admit that perhaps one or maybe more than one will not be able to stay the course. Are you leading change in your organization? Maybe you are wondering what it's really like to lead during a transformation. Welcome to When Women Lead Change with Danielle Hawk. Get insights from senior and executive-level women across various industries and sectors as we spotlight their journey in leading significant change in their respective organizations. You will also hear from subject matter experts in the areas of strategic change, project management, and human resources on what it takes to thrive in this role. Because leading during steady state is not the same as leading during change. And now, here's your host, Danielle Hawk.
1: Thanks for tuning in to another episode of When Women Lead Change. This week, we interview Katara Aline. Katara describes herself as a data-driven human capital strategist. Katara is currently with Booz Allen Hamilton, where she partners with leaders as they go through digital transformations. Prior to Booz Allen Hamilton, Katara spent several years as an internal consultant with the Washington Metropolitan Area Transit Authority, working on a variety of transformation efforts and organizational development projects. Katara is going to share her insights about what she's seeing leaders do well when leading change. In particular, she's going to get into that thorny issue of having sponsors who may not be fully aligned with the effort. And I really am excited about some of the things that she shares with us as fellow change strategists. She really has some great nuggets for us to walk away with in terms of how to think about the work that we do differently and borrowing from other disciplines to sharpen our toolkits. So let's take a listen. Welcome to When Women Lead Change. I'm so excited to have Katara Aline with us today. She is a change strategist with Booz Allen Hamilton. She has extensive experience in large-scale change. Welcome to the show, Katara.
0: Thank you. I am excited to be here, Danielle. Let's dive into like a
1: recent effort that you supported. Tell us about a change effort um, that you were engaged in. You know, what was changing? How many people did it impact? Tell us a little bit about what was at stake.
0: What comes to mind, again, I'm fascinated by the digital transformation that's happening within our workforce. What comes to mind is a call center CRM transformation. The client was replacing their old CRM with a cloud solution, integrating social media data, a more robust way of understanding the customer experience. Still, the impact, new processes higher level of integration with various data points. And this is also relative to the operations because the call center now became a more robust hub for the operations because they were getting direct data from the various divisions on what they needed to do to improve the customer experience. Within the customer call center itself, That business was transforming and the roles within those staff were changing. Productivity measures were changing. (laughs) This particular division in the call center had a new director. So a lot of pieces were changing. Now, the organization itself, you know, was over 13,000 people. However, the call center is about 150
1: Okay. So it sounds like reinventing the customer experience. And as a result of that, or I should say, sounds like a system implementation, CRM. And then as a result of that, really reinventing the customer experience, changing perhaps the roles of those that were in customer relations or customer service. You know, when you think about that client individual, who was really the face of it, you know, from your vantage point, what did you think was most challenging for them?
0: So often middle managers, this was a middle manager, a director level, will have pressures from various levels. His or her frontline, frontline leaders, frontline employees, also the pressure from the C-suite. And those pressures are very different. So the C-suite is looking at particular milestones and technology and focusing on the product. And the leaders and the staff are focusing on how these changes are impacting their world and the pain points around that. And in fact, they have insight and wanting to have input into how the process is rolled out or the business process refinement. So I would say one of the main primary challenges is navigating all of those pressures, prioritizing and giving voice and attention to these various pressures.
1: Yeah. It it does feel like a, a pretty tight sandwich experience when you're in that role. And I like the way that you really framed it in terms of it being like at this mid yeah, mid-level manager. Role. And in many instances, it can very much be that, that particular level that's the one that's, you know, really running with that flag day in and day out over, you know, over the course of, of a period of months because they are, you know, at the execution level. Absolutely. Now, when you think back to this individual, where do you think
0: that leader was
1: most effective?
0: Storytelling. He had a masterful way of looking at the landscape and listening and integrating. So, as he and his team, you know, and he also coached effectively his leaders that were fielding a lot of challenges and working with their staff. He had a demeanor that was straightforward, balanced and attentive. So it's not like he jumped in and pitched and then left the scene, <laughs> which happens often <laughs> with sponsors. They pitch something, it sounds great, and then they're ghost. This leader had an ability to keep coming back. I would say he had grit.
1: And was this individual in terms of their role, were they doing this like on the back of their day job or was this a role that was kind of stood up because of um, the changes that were, you know, taking place.
0: In this role, it was a stand-up because of the transformational nature. So yes, he was definitely balancing a lot of other work, but there are definitely resources and time provided for this transformation.
1: Right. So, you know, it's interesting. You said grit and the fact that he kept coming back. It wasn't um and that now that makes sense when you say that sometimes leaders come in they do the kickoff and then they may you know you may see them every now and then but they're just um, a little bit MIA but to your point you know this person was you know really engaged involved very visible
0: another aspect is he did not keep things at a surface level He wanted to get to the root of challenges, even if it was difficult. I remember one of the organizational development strategies was to create, it wasn't a full community of practice, but it was along the lines of bringing people together who are interested in particular issues within the business and pooling their thoughts and their resources on a regular basis and working on issues. And he supported this development within his division. And that means there were often times where people were meeting with him that had challenges and didn't agree with certain directions, but he was confident enough to welcome this discussion and not suppress it.
1: So showing some leadership courage, being willing to wade into the resistance sounds like.
0: For sure. For sure. He was able to analyze, you know, with those of us who were helping him on the consulting arm, we would sit back. I mean, he just wouldn't rush in to meetings. We would sit back, we'd analyze, we'd prioritize the resistance and talk about, okay, wh- what are the different tactics we're going to use? So he was highly analytical about it. But when he was in front of his people, he didn't turn it into numbers or data. It was a conversation and it was a story that he was listening to and giving back his thoughts.
1: Mm, Well, that's really good. Yeah, that's a great model when it comes to dealing with the, not just the resistance, but being able to allow people that space for conversation.
0: For sure. And it is tough. It's not that it was easy for him. He was just committed. And our role as his advisors and his consultants helping to drive this transformation was to be there for him and you know sit back and and talk about how he handled certain things and what he might want to do differently so coaching beyond the system beyond the new processes through the true blue humanity coaching around what it means to deal with challenges with your staff people who are often very upset how do you deal with conflict
1: right and i think sometimes our leaders come into these roles Not quite, you know, clear on the level of conflict that it may, um, that may evolve or surface. And to be able to push through it, even when it's, you know, not naturally in their swim lane to do that. I think that, you know, that helps um, tremendously. What were some things that you feel like were missed opportunities For that, for this leader, like where might they have dropped the ball a little bit?
0: The top missed opportunity would be letting go, possibly letting go one of the the managers. In hindsight, there was a manager that was very high risk for being able to execute this transformation. And a lot of time and resources went into this manager kind of as the first tier approach, but he was not seeing the results. And it's often hard when you commit to a transformation and you believe the folks that you have on the ground and are leading are the ones to take you to the next level. It's hard to admit that perhaps one or maybe more than one will not be able to stay the course. And to be able to have these hard conversations up front possibly would have helped this leader make the difficult decision when he needed to.
1: And so when you're talking about there's talent, you know, individuals who are part of this transformation effort, are you talking about whether or not they have the capacity to get you to the finish line or in this situation, was it, did they have the capacity to lead in the new environment that was being created?
0: That is an excellent dis- discernment question. <laughs> <laughs> Cuz there's a distinction,
1: that um, there's totally a distinction.
0: There is fair enough. I'm going to answer this question with two points. The first point is the characteristics of a sponsor. So, throughout business transformation, there are various levels of sponsorship, right? You have the C suite, then you have this director level, but even throughout the organization You have individuals that are leading others. So on some level, they're a sponsor of the transformation. If this particular leader that I'm talking about that was a challenge and high risk did not have the sponsorship capabilities, and so that became a weakness in the strategy because we know part of effective change management strategy is that sponsorship coalition, that there's alignment from the C-suite on over. And not that there can't be disagreements or nuances, but there is this sense from the business that the leaders are moving forward with this, that this is the best decision for the business. But in the case of this particular leader, they had difficulty aligning with that vision. And that came out in their behaviors, in their attitude, their discussions kind of behind closed doors. And that's not effective. The second part of your question is whether or not this leader actually had the skill set to lead in the new world. (laughs) I'm not certain because we spent so much time filtering and trying to mitigate little daggers that were coming out. It was hard to see whether or not this person actually had the skill. On paper, the leader had the skill because of previous experiences, but they weren't showing up.
1: Right. Um, because there's just so much resistance on their part.
0: You know, this is it's a
1: very interesting background that you've provided in, in just talking about this one area where the change leader, the face of change for this effort, to your point, has these other peers and other leaders that they are relying on to line up and support this in a very concerted way but to find themselves where, you know, among the ranks, there are some individuals that are not going to be able to push forward in the way, and in some cases are going to be a distraction, or um, in different, you know, phases may derail, you know, some of the progress that's being made. Those are hard conversations, particularly if, You know, the reporting structure is such that that person, you know, that change leader doesn't have any influence on kind of the role, you know, that those other leaders are playing or kind of where they're placed. But it definitely sounds like those things can happen. And to have those conversations earlier, to call it out earlier, seems a safe Approach, um, or at least you're in anticipation of okay. This is something that we may have to deal with later.
0: And and I'd like to add a piece to that. So I want to be clear that I'm not talking about critical opposers. A critical opposer is qualitatively different than someone who is just trying to stop the show and stop progress. And in this particular engagement, I remember we were also dealing with a a lot of unions. And I remember that there was a lead shop steward that was a critical opposer and was vocal and loud. So what did the leader do? The leader sat down, had conversations, mapped out where we were headed. And although this critical opposer wasn't an early adopter, Over time, this loud critical opposer became a driver of some of the change activities.
1: I see what you're saying. Right. And so what you're talking about is, yeah, the opposition resistance. But I think, you know, as we started out on this conversation, it was it was more of do I have the coalition of support among the sponsors who are identified as being one of the sponsors of this, do I have their committed alignment? And 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 it's noticeable when you don't have it.
0: Oh, it is.
1: <laughs> right. Okay. So yeah, but thanks for clarifying that with our listeners, because for some of our listeners, you know, all of this language and and conversation around sponsors and change leaders opposers, you know, they're not, they may or may not be that familiar with all of the terminology. And I've been using the term change leader just to make sure we're making some distinctions a little bit. So we're making sure in this story, we're talking about that person who's, you know, holding the flag, this person who's at the center of your story, that person who's charged with making sure that the CRM um, is executed And it happens, customer relationship management initiative happens. And then to your point earlier, you have, you know, like these next tier of sponsors that are critical just to making sure that people, hearts and minds are aligned, that everyone's marching to the same beat. So Katara, I want to ask you, you did talk a little bit about how you and maybe your colleagues played the role of coach, um, obviously consultant. Do you feel like, you were effectively used in your role? Do you feel like leaders in general effectively leverage your expertise as a change strategist?
0: Allow me to answer those questions two different ways. (laughs) The first answer is yes. In this particular client engagement, we were leveraged and we partnered and found a synergy with the leaders. However, I can't say that this kind of engagement is typical. I have experienced a lot of bumps and bruises and fits and starts between the leaders and the change management consultants. I don't believe that we yet understand as leaders of operations, the importance of the role. I believe that operational leaders and senior executives still consider it as an afterthought and perhaps more noise than anything else. I think it's changing. The more senior leaders have exposure and work closely with change management strategists, they become believers. But as we all know, senior executives are very busy. They don't have time to always get down on the ground and roll up their sleeves and work with us. When they do, though, they become believers and they understand why this works.
1: Right. And, it, you know, it's interesting, one of the, maybe even our first episodes, Jen Runkle, she was really great at explaining <laughs> that, you know, in many cases, yeah, leaders are, are juggling a lot. And this is like one slice of, their world um, at a particular time. And so to your point, the ability to get down on the ground and and really spend time in it, it creates a disadvantage of changing that perception about what um, the role of, you know, the change consultant or the work stream itself. Obviously, you know, there's, you know, huge opportunity to close the gap in that space. And, And there are a lot of projects, you know, where there's great alignment, of course, like the one that you just mentioned. Now, I mean, if I'm a leader who is building my team, uh, my program for a transformation effort like this, and I'm looking at having a resource for change management, what are some of the questions that I should be asking when establishing like a working relationship with a with a change resource?
0: I have a couple thoughts on this. I would ask. The change strategist, how agile is your methodology? Many change management practitioners may or may not incorporate the need to function on a more agile level. I mean, we we hear about agile all the time, but it really is a way to iterate faster and produce faster once you get feedback and you understand what's happening right? So it's not a one and done experience. You're constantly iterating and you're constantly learning. So I would ask the change strategist, what are your feedback loops? How do you operate as a team? And walk me through that process. And another question I would ask as well is, what are the incentive piece of really celebrating successes around our achievements. You know, we like to, healthy competition, you know, we like to know that we've achieved. We like recognition and incentives and what are some creative ways to build that into the process? And, you know, as adults, we have a veneer of being serious and highly intellectual, you know, using our minds. But at the end of the day, we do appreciate a little bit of play, a little bit of spirit, a little bit of healthy competition in our work experience. So I would I'd really drill the change strategies on what type of creative ways he or she has brought that into the change experience. That's good.
1: That I think those two are really great questions to ask, uh, you know, as a leader who's building their team around this. I'm not sure if. Um, Some of our leaders, even who are listening, consider, you know, those elements around incentives. And, you know, we're just so busy and so focused definitely on standing up the team, getting things rolling. Um, And, you know, the truth is people are going to be working on this for a long time. And so I think it's a great way to, um, you know, have that as an upfront conversation in terms of thinking about that and and making sure it's not forgotten along the way. That was great. Thank you. So Qatar, are there any final thoughts that you think our listeners, you know, might be able to appreciate? I mean, I feel like Qatar, you, you've done a really great job of providing, you know, through this project that you're that you've shared with us, you know, providing some really great nuggets for people who are taking on the role as a change. I call him the change leader um, who's holding that flag in the face of the change. But you've also, you know, given some perspective on what if you're not the main person holding the flag, but still you are a leader in the organization that is having to be in alignment with the vision and and the direction where things are going. So I think you've given some great insight on that and you've also even left, you know, us. Those who are change strategists, with some things to think about too of what to have ready to talk about with a leader, um, let alone you know the leader themselves having a couple of great questions to
0: ask. Is there anything else that you you know think would be helpful? A few thoughts: Change is messy, and you have to be okay as a change strategist, as a leader, with failing and having the level of grit. The other piece is change strategists can learn from other industries or other methodologies like the UX human centered design and agile methodologies you know at the at the end of the day we're architects we're building and we're also a little bit of artists right got the creativity piece but there are other builders and there are other people who have methodologies that we can incorporate into our process to refine from a continually improved process of looking at change. And I encourage change strategists to become certified or skilled and learned in human-centered design, agile methodology, and mindsets. And you will observe a more refined product that you're putting out there for your clients.
1: Yeah, I I like that. That's that's valuable um, advice. recommendations. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time, Katara. It has been a pleasure.